right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Higher Journeys. I am your host, Alexis Brooks, and I am so delighted that you decided to join us once again today. My interview with Mike Clellan back in August of last year, can't believe it's been nearly a year, was hugely successful uh, based on the fact that we were talking about uh, owls and owls as it relates to the ET contact phenomenon. He calls himself the owl guy, right? Uh, We actually did two shows back in August because it was so hugely popular. So many people had questions. So I wanted to have Mike Clellan back on uh, right now during this very, very unique time uh, during this, call it crisis, call it opportunity, call it a bit of both, because I am convinced that there is a juxtaposition or a concurrent uh, wave of high strangeness, including perhaps owl sightings, animal sightings, not just animal sightings, but interaction with our animal companions, even that may be a little bit different. So I wanted to uh, pull his coattails to see what he's been experiencing. We had a very interesting discussion. I know you're really going to uh, get a lot out of what he what he shares with us. Now, before we do very quickly, I would be so appreciative of you if you would consider supporting Higher Journeys by subscribing to Higher Journeys on YouTube. It's very easy. You know, it's free. You hit the notification bell, you get notified every time a new episode airs. And these days, there are more, they're coming fast and furious. So again, please uh, consider supporting Higher Journeys by subscribing to us on YouTube. Okay, without further ado, let's get to this conversation with my guest, Mike Cleland. Take care. Mr. Mike Cleland, I am so delighted to have you back on the show. I had to go back in the archives and look to see when you were uh, last on, I say last on, I think that was your first time, but I know that we did two uh, episodes back to back because your first episode with us was so hugely popular talking about owls, but that was back in August. I can't believe it. So we're almost, almost a at a year. That's right. So this must be the prime time for Mr. Mike Clellan to uh, grace our presence here at Higher Journey. So welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this hot, sticky summer day. Thank you. It's not too hot, not too bad here. So I'm a little farther north, but it's getting, it's warm for us here. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that the country is seeing uh, higher than average warmth. No surprise. Yeah. High, higher than average everything <laughs> these days, right? Higher than average everything. Well, listen, I'm going to use that as a segue. Higher than average, unusual. I, I was saying on Midnight in the Desert, my debut show last week. Oh, right uh, on. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm, I'm really excited and, and honored to, to do this. We're just getting warmed up. But on uh, in the monologue, I was talking about the un, we're, we're in the age of un, unusual, unrelenting, unfathomable, you name it. Yeah. So we're going to continue with the uns. <laughs> unbelievable. I don't like to say unbelievable, though, because... Uh, it, or this, I, you have to believe in this stuff. You, yeah, have to, you gotta believe in it. Yeah. You have to know it. You have to know it. So anyway, we're going to be talking about your knowledge of owls, but within the context, I'm calling this the pandemic and the paranormal, two realities, one message, question mark. You and I spoke yesterday. I've been, I've been itching to know if you have been witnessing higher than average high strangeness during this period of time. And you, what did you tell me? What did you say to me? You know, what I said is I have I have kind of a baseline of high strangeness, you know, and it seems pretty high compared to what a lot of people have, and mostly in the form of synchronicities. So I have a lot of synchronicities. So what I'm what I'm like it hasn't changed much, and uh, though I certainly recognize the um, uh, just 
national and world events are, are, you know, some knob is getting turned like, like to some extreme level. And, uh, so I haven't noticed anything as far as my own experiences changing. Um, and I've been interacting with people online and stuff like that. I certainly know some people are saying as much that they're, that they're, uh, having more activity. Like what, like what kind of activity? This is where I really want to go directly. What's happening with the people you're hearing from? Well, I mean, so I'm get you know, people find me if they have owl stories. So, uh, you know, just the other night, a friend of mine who's had a lot of experiences um, uh, went out in his yard and heard an owl and then saw a UFO over his house. But that's actually a little bit normal for him. So, uh, so, you know, that type of thing. And I know some psychic folks or some very intuitive folks, and they have uh, very much been I'll go, I'm, I'm not, I want to use the name, but this one person has been saying, uh, this one woman has been saying that there's a, um, what she's sensing is less a, a sort of sociological or cosmic flip, but more, you know, one, something is crumbling, something is crumbling and is going to wash away. Um, and so that was the way she was sort of phrasing it, that that's what her guides keep telling her that, that, no, this is a phase, something, something needs to crumble. Some old way needs to crumble. So the new way can emerge as opposed to some cosmic dawn where we all just wake up and, and, and find enlightenment. Um, the issue is less, I guess, you know, before one thing can rise, something else has to descend, I guess. Absolutely. So my, and that was my, that would my, I would love to, to reach some, you know, age of Aquarius kind of thing with, with, uh, um, you know, the one thing I keep on going back to is that after the pandemic of 1918, um, you know, the roaring twenties happened and we had jazz and we had like this really sort of high point in, in art. And that's when, you know, Picasso got started and stuff like that. So, um, my hope is we see something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. but invariably the rockiness must come before the the, the smoothness, I suppose. That seems to be the way history works. But I have been, you know, and I'm not going to... Yeah, pry, darkness before the dawn. The darkness before the dawn, absolutely. I, I think every euphemism, every cliche applies to what we're going through right now. But honing in on the high strangeness, what some of us call, whether it be UFO sightings, I know that the UFO sightings have been, well, they have been through the roof for, for quite a few years. I was just talking to Mary Rodwell, uh, who agreed with me that uh, sightings for some time now have been reported pretty much every eight seconds. So it's hard wow. to top that. Yeah, she, I think she said six seconds. But nonetheless, she maintains that they've gone up even more so within this time period. What What are you hearing there? Anything out of the, you know, out of the uh, norm? <laughs> Given that you know, a lot of normal. the correspondence is through email and through just, you know, Facebook posts and things like that. So, you know, it's it's what I've certainly noticed is that it's going up, 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 up. And whether that's just people being more comfortable putting their own stuff out there. You know, there's a there's a bunch of factors at play. Right. So people are more comfortable speaking about this. I sense that for sure in the last decade or so. And that just that's just going up, up. And then so people are are. uh talking about this stuff more so they're more likely to 
get a video of something on their phone and then just put it right up on YouTube where that, that simply didn't exist even, you know, with the ease it is now that everyone has these phones and it's become quite simple that it would have been just a few years ago. So, you know, my sense is that there's certainly, there's certainly, we're in a hot point of American history and global history. And, and in that heightened energetic you know, we're all in this heightened energetic realm right now. I think everything, you know, is getting turned up, you know, all everything. The, the, so, you know, yeah. So I, I recognize that people are saying that though. I haven't seen it so much in my direct experience as far as the stuff I, I've, but I've certainly sensed that, you know, over the last few years, it's gone up and up and up and I, and, and, you know, we're at that place now where it seems higher than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Which would make sense. You said something that just triggered something I'm definitely going to ask you. You know, I was having a conversation with a dear friend of mine really about a month, maybe even two months ago when all of this started really flaring up and things got got intense. And I said to her, you know, I don't know about you, but I am noticing my kitty cat. He's got a great disposition anyway, but he seems extraordinarily happy and excited uh, now, I know many of us are home more than ever, and sure, yes, our yeah. pets, our, our beloved animal companions are going to be thrilled about that because they get to see more of you. But I, you know, I work from home other than my traveling all over the place. I used to, at least. Uh, so he's used to seeing me anyway, but I definitely got a sense of an uptick in excitement, the energy around our animal companions. She agreed with me. So that's what I l- would like to ask you, being an animal person. We so, can- so I have a cat. And and I have noticed it. She's been in a great mood lately. How like long? really noticed it. She's old. She's fourteen years old, and she's like, you know, we play the rubber band game where we shoot the rubber bands across the floor, and she chases <laughs> them and stuff like that, and plays with them. So she's in she's doing great and in an incredibly good mood. Yeah. So I, that's that's interesting. I never would have factored that in, but yeah, I can certainly vouch for that. You know, I've 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 commented on it many times. Like wow, she's so, doing great. She's so funny now. Isn't that something? So I'm super going talkative. To... She's very talkative. Yeah, very talkative. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to ask you journeyers as well. I would love to get your way in on this one. If you have animal, I I like to say animal companions as opposed to pets because they are companions. They're our beloved and wise friends. Have you noticed a difference in disposition since all of this, uh, you know, came down back in March? Want to get your way in. But let's dig into that a little bit, Mike, because I think we're on to something here. So if that's the case, I, I, you and I both know that animals carry such a high level of intuitive capacity. I know that. I mean, Rupert Sheldrick has done stellar work in really showing that to the extent that one can. Uh, just the fact that they're aware of more of the visual, even the visual spectrum than we are. So I would imagine that they are highly attuned, not only to uh, the planet itself, but to us, including what's going on. But could could it be that they may be aware of something beyond what we understand, hence the reason for their excitement? This goes back to getting through those bumps and then afterwards, a new jazz age, <laughs> something good yeah, happens. What, I, yeah. what do you think about that? I mean, that's tough to know, but I've certainly, you know, I'm living in a place with a lot of owls and I've certainly heard a ton of owls. And it's pretty common to hear a lot of owls here in the springtime. Um, the owls mark out their territory, so they're they're making, they're talking a lot at night, but it has been off the charts around here for the last few weeks as far it as has. Okay. The, the noise the owls makes. But that's kind of normal here. So, But I'm so, so like super attuned to it that I'm, I'm into it. Like I love the fact that they're out there and I pay close attention to when they're out there. So 
What else do you pick up besides the sound, Mike, if I may? Do you pick up anything intuitively in terms of their disposition and what, what may be going on in that exchange? I know you said you had a conversation with an owl not that long ago. I saw a little video. Well, that was just so owls are pretty. You can kind of you can. That's not uncommon to make a little hooting noise and an owl will hoot back. Any, any outdoorsman will give you that, you know. So but I was walking through the woods. This is about a little over a week ago now. And I um, had my phone with me and I was I caught a little flash off in the corner of my eye. It was, it was an owl in a tree. I figured it was an owl, but it was far enough to the woods. So I kind of was and I started hooting. I'm pretty sure it was a barred owl a bard, B-A-R-R-E-D, I think, as opposed to a barn owl, which are pretty big owls. And um, and I you know, made little hooting calls and it responded. So I got that on video. It was kind of cute. But um, yeah, we sat there for 20 minutes and I did the thing which I've done many times with owls is when I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, like I talk to it as if it is a, you know, an emissary from the, the great beyond. Like, you know, like, what do I need to do? Where am I at right now? How do I proceed forward? You know, like, all these challenges, you know, like I was, if you can give me an answer, you give me an answer. Um, nothing all that exciting came from that. But um, <laughs> so, but that was, it was just a nice sighting. And I, I'm like, I, when I have those sightings, I'm looking for the metaphysical or the, mm-hmm. or the something going on. And then, uh, you know what actually happened? And then the next day, uh, I think it was the next day, within a couple of days, and Andrea, my partner Andrea, noticed this. There was a snail. As far as we know, it was a snail or a like. They were like some little snail had made a trek. We have a dirt driveway in the sand in the driveway, and I I, I could add a picture. I'll describe it. But it made these loop de loop kind of lines, and it looked remarkably like the Steven Spielberg ET. It sort of looked like an owl. It sort of looked like a, but it had the great big eyes, and like the ET, like it would look like a. Someone took their finger and tried to draw E.T. the extraterrestrial f- from the Spielberg movie with their fingertip mm-hmm. in the sand. And I, I took a picture of it and I highlighted the little line. It's a, you got you don't have to squint to see it. It's right there. I mean, it really looks like, you know, someone did a little scribbly drawing of E.T. I think anyone would say that upon, you know, the first that's Maybe the first we can show it. That. Maybe we can show it. Oh, we can I, it'll take a second if I, you want me well, to Well, no, no, nope, you can give it to me. We're going to we'll put it up in post-production. We'll do it that okay. way as you're talking about it so people can really have a good look. So are you maybe linking what the inter, interchange or not interchange, <laughs> the interface that you had with the owl the day before? I I can't say, but I what I did the same day that the owl or that, that the that the, you know, simple, it's pretty simple, the simple ET scribble, which I think was made by a banana slug, because that's the only thing we have in the driveway that would, these big fat slugs when that, you know, that come out in the warm weather. But it would have been, uh, uh, that was the same day I found an owl feather uh, on a trail just right near the back of the house here. So there you go. And uh, so, you know, like I look for these signs and I, and I'm cautious to wait them too much because, because I, I know I'm obsessive enough that I'll go insane if I if I let myself if I let myself cling to them too much. So I'm I'm I try to be much more playful with them than than loading them with drama. Have Unless you... they deserve Yep. Oh, he froze a little bit. Let's hope he unfreezes. We'll give it a second. My... Oh, sorry. Oh, you're back. Okay. Oh, am I, can you hear me? Uh, yep. I'm going to apologize okay, right good. now. We have been, I don't know about your experience during years, but we have been having extraordinary issues with 
both Skype and Zoom, and I think it could be a bandwidth issue. So we're, I'm going to try to trudge through this uh, so we don't have to break up the conversation too much. Anyway, have you, Mike, ever come out and asked in, in the presence of particularly the owls a question, keeping that the, the wise sort of profile that, that, that these owls seem to denote, assuming they may know something we don't know, understand something in a way we don't understand, have you ever asked a question like, what is this all about? What are my experiences? Oh, all- yes. Oh, have- yes. Okay. And so- I ask all the time, actually. Whenever I get a good owl sighting, I'll ask, yeah. Like what? May I, may I ask? And, and Oh, the question I usually ask is, the simplest question is, how do I proceed forward? That's like my go-to question. Like, how do I proceed forward? And And I ask that, and I often say, like, listen, I do really well if you give me a symbol in my dreams. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gotten that much lately, but there was a chapter probably about 2009 through about 2011 where I was getting a lot of synchronistic stuff happening and I would put the put the question out there and um, and then ask, you know, you could bring it to my dreams. Sometimes I don't get anything, but um, usually, not usually, often I would get a synchronicity or something like that. So... Uh, or some, I, I feel like I got a reply to some things like that. May I ask? Certainly, I don't want you to put. I don't want you to put anything out there that you don't want to put out yeah, there. There's one story that's very personal. I won't share that one. So let me just think okay. for a second. But um, as far as so directly asking an owl is would be the the issue, right? Yeah. So directly asking an owl, and then and I mean that was sort of happened with the funny little thing in the snail. I mean, you could say you know one brought on the other. Because that was just a day or so after the snail came, or the funny little mark in the driveway. Um, but the uh, I think, yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now. Okay, um, there's one story I'm going to choose not to. It's just a little too personal. So by I'm no means choose not, tell that. Okay, yeah. only only something. That yeah, oh, I know, I, I know. But yeah, um, but, okay. Uh, we're just trying to understand. Look, we're all on the journey together, right? And trying to understand and distill through the patterns. This is what I I recently talked about. Uh, What messages lie within those patterns? I believe that everything lives within patterns, including patterns having to do with our animal sightings and animal communications, et cetera. And I I just feel so instinctively, Mike, that we are living in such a potent time right now that we can positively leverage that, uh, that potency by, by, uh, entering into a relationship even more than before with animal companions, with s- the wildlife, uh, you know, with synchronicity itself. So that's why I'm, you know, I don't want to push you to, to talk about something that doesn't exist, but I just feel now is a golden opportunity to really ratchet up our own intuitive capacity. And and I have a feeling, particularly with, if, if the disposition of many animals seems to be even higher, perhaps we're even more, uh, we can be more aligned with them and, and communicate with them and get some of the answers we've been wanting for so long. So here's one story that's very interesting. So I was preparing, this is going back a couple of summers ago now, I was preparing to do a talk. And part of the talk was, um, I mean, it was owls and UFO talk. And there was one story where my friend Suzanne Chancellor, do you know Suzanne? You must, you might have met her in your paths a little bit she's mm-hmm. wonderful so she's mm-hmm. was editor on my book so she's had a lot of experiences we have lots of synchronicities back and forth her and i so she uh, 
and I was going to be seeing her at this conference where I was going to give the talk. It was the Experience or Speak conference mm -hmm. that they used to hold annually in Maine. Mm -hmm. Now, um, she had an experience where her partner Jack and her were almost every night were hearing this noise, this kind of whinny noise out their window, like a horse, like a little baby horse, a tiny horse whinnying. And, and so they couldn't figure out what it was. And she eventually stumbled on like a website that had bird noises. And she found this bird noise that was a, a Eastern screech owl. And it makes this kind of, it sounds like a tiny little horse going to make this little noise. And, and that was exactly what she'd been hearing. So I was going to include that in the talk because she had this interesting story where she went out with her phone to record this. She heard it in the yard and it was in this apple tree. That was, and there was sounded like there was another owl in another apple tree. There's two apple trees on her yard and the neighbor's yard, and so she walked up to the tree to try to record it. And and as she's holding the phone up, there was suddenly a bright orange orb about the size of a of an orange, like a big orange that glowed brightly for just a second, like this electric orange, and then shut off, and then all the owl stuff stopped. Yeah. Now I, I have that story a few times in a few different ways. Where people have so here's she's trying to record for me this owl noise, and then the owl noise. Um, well, anyway, so the, so like then it seems like was there an owl at all because it was a, like orange orb. The orange orb is like shows up all the time in this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's she said there was no like the neighbor nobody put like a flashlight up in the tree or anything like that, and it was way way brighter than like a lightning bug or something like that. So so this was a big deal. Um, found a recording of Reach Owl and I was going to play it during the presentation as I told the story. But for some reason, I just, the computer just wasn't jiving and I couldn't get it to, to like, there's a way you put the little audio file onto the, to the PowerPoint presentation and then you, and it just wasn't working. Just the file format just wouldn't jive. Interesting. Okay. Didn't want to be so, seen. So that, so I'm like, I stayed up late at night and I got so frustrated. And then I lying in bed and we had to get up super early to go do the, to drive all the way to Maine from where we are in upstate New York. So Andrea and I are, are, you know, asleep. And on all of a sudden I'm laying there awake, just like, you know, before the big trip, you're kind of like your head's spinning and, and, and there's this noise outside and it is an Eastern screech owl right outside our window. I have never heard an Eastern screech owl before in the first, and Andrea just, I didn't know she was awake. And she said, well, that is not, that was an owl. Was that an owl? And I said, that was an owl. That was an Eastern screech owl. I, cause I had been listening to the call over and over and over again the night before trying to, trying to figure it out. So to me, that was a sign like, Oh my God, I gotta put this in the, sh in the show. Mm -hmm. in the, in the, mm -hmm. So now I went to the show and, and actually did the presentation and the Eastern screech owl came up and I found out later it's there was a guy in the audience who I've become quite good friends with and he's a he's got a whole chapter in one of in the book Stories from the Messenger. He, I'll call him Mike C. He has a whole chapter in the Stories from the Messenger and he heard that noise, the owl, that whinny noise, the eastern screech owl, and he just about fell out of his chair and he did not confront come up to me and talk to me. He came up and he bought a book but he was very he seemed shaken. And and he and I talked later and he said, I was afraid to talk to you because that noise, I'd heard that noise several times and I heard it come through the baby monitor in my baby's, in our little baby's bedroom. So that was, I mean, that's a spooky element. So, 
so this, I guess, in a way, I didn't answer your question. I told a nice, a really interesting story, I think. But, but I, but it, you know, these, this is how this stuff appears. It like mm-hmm. wells up in this, in this way where the knots are just like interwoven. Like, where does Suzanne's story end? Where does my little part come up? And then, and then this other Mike C, which I'm also Mike C. Um, you know, he's had all these experiences. Oh, I will say, he was the guy that I started the thing with. He was the fellow who saw the. Heard the owl in the backyard, went out and and then saw the craft on uh, of above his house. You know, as you're talking about what you know, where does one person's story end and the other one pick up? And I, I I'm seeing threads in a tapestry. You know, where David Baum, I just think I brought him up a, a day or so ago. We're like whirlpools in a stream. We have identity. We just don't have distinct borders. And so there is a connection. And and perhaps these not myths, but these messages, messages from uh, the owls, as one case, can run through individuals to create one seamless message. It's just a very interesting thing. Yeah. So here's another one more story from experience or speak thing. And I don't think I've I've shared this a few times. I don't know if I told you. So um, in the backyard at the at the so the experience or speak conference was it hasn't been held for a few years, but it was at a nice uh, hotel conference center kind of thing in Portland, Maine. And then afterwards, a whole bunch of people would go up to um, the the woman who was running it. Mm-hmm. They would go up to the lake house that was their family. So it's kind of a it's a not it's not fancy or anything like that. But it's in a cute spot and it's near the water and everything. But people would sleep in tents in the backyard. and The tents are kind of close together. So this woman, Carol, and this woman, Pam, were the water side now at the, at the lake and they were staying up late. Now this was in April in April in Northern Maine. It's kind of cold. It's like, mm-hmm. was this like, the year I was with you up there by the way, juniors I've been to this place. It's absolutely fabulous. Was that the same year? Sorry to cut you off. But... I, I might've been, I can't, okay. was that Richard, were you there the night they saw the UFO above the, the I didn't, flash above the lake? I didn't stay at the lake house. Uh, I only went there for a couple hours and then we drove back. With, but was that the year that Richard Dolan was with us? I think so. Okay. I think it's the same year. Continue. Okay. <laughs> so everyone was, there was like a big thing where people were, there must've been 20 people down by the lake and they were all kind of like saying, we need to see, we need to see something. And then it was a mostly women. So it was, had this kind of funny vibe and they all started pointing to this one spot in the sky. And, and I was kind of milling around and I kind of left the beach there for a second and every, all of a sudden everyone would, whoa. And I mm-hmm. ran back and they, they were pointing at this one spot in the sky, kind of low in the sky. And they said it, it looked like a, a, um, lighthouse kind of turning and just pointing a bright light right at them from that spot in the sky. And so Pam and Carol went down to the lake after everyone left. And it must've been about midnight. I think that's right. Maybe one in the morning. I think it's one in the morning and they're talking a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's four in the morning and there, and I was down there. Like it would be tough to sit there for three hours it would be tough to sit there for three hours because you because it's cold. I mean, it's just it's not the it's kind of that damp lake cold kind of thing. So I was like, and they were they were both freaked out. So they were coming back up to get in their tent. They were sharing a tent together. Now earlier in the day, Jack and Suzanne. We're back to Jack and Suzanne again, who had seen an owl that trip in uh, at the lake. There was an island on the lake, and they saw an owl fly from the island, which had trees on it, and fly to the edge. So they had seen an owl, and then and then Jack had his dad had died recently hmm. and he 
on a chair and he's drinking a beer and he's like, you know what? I feel like I feel like I'm turning in my dick. It's like like I, I hear my voice and it's like my dad's voice is coming out of my mouth and it's like it feels like my dad's here. Like I really feel him here. So that's sort of setting something up here. But so that night, um, the Jack and Suzanne, their tent was right next to Carol and Pam's tent. So that sun is kind of coming up by the time they come up from the lake and climb into, and they're freaked out. And then Carol says to Pam, she says, let's, let's, before we go to sleep, let's ask the owl for a sign hmm. if something really happened. And before she finished the sentence, there was an owl hooting in like out palpably hooting. And then it, oh, there was about a th- five second pause. And then the owl was obviously flown flew closer and was right on top of them and hooted again. And then it felt like the owl hooted again and branches and sticks started landing on the top of their tent and it was loud. So they, they asked a question. Let's ask the owl if something happened. They got an immediate response. And then next to them, Jack and Suzanne, they both woke up from the owl. They got sticks landing on their tent. Jack looks at his phone. It's 420 on his phone. His father died on April 20th. He saw it right away. So here's two tents side by side, one owl, and it and it plays the two distinct roles. You know that I'm that I'm researching. One is owls and UFOs. Pam and Carol, they, they owl and UFO confirmation for them. They they had a confirmation for Jack and Suzanne, both of whom have had experiences. The other mythological thread for owls is owls and death. Absolutely. And so they get so two tents side by side, one owl, two messages. Absolutely. This reminds me of the conversation you and I had, Mike, uh, just prior to my uh, wrapping up my lecture in in, uh, Uluru, and I interviewed you. And I think I had asked you, in your estimation, do owls, not just owls, other animals, but particularly owls, represent an emissary role or a catalyst that can have a multiplicity of messages for people? You said absolutely yes. They are emissaries from the high, well, from the other world, the other world. That's the mythology. That's the core mythology. And it plays out in real life. Yeah. Fascinating. We're going to, I can't believe this time just flew. As you know, we're doing shorter segments these days. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to look right at the camera and ask the journeyers, please, please, please. I'm going to bring this back to the period that we're in now. I'm talking, say, January up through June. Have you had any extraordinary experiences with, with, you know, any animal really, but something that you would put in the high strangeness category, particularly with owls in this time period, I would love to know. If you haven't, you haven't, but if you had, I wouldn't be surprised. So let's leave that there. There were other things we were going to get to, we're not going to be able to. Uh, But I want to say, Mike Clellan has graciously uh, accepted uh, an invitation to the private journey over on Patreon. I'm so excited about it. We're going to be switching gears a little bit, Mike. Uh, and I think this is all of these conversations are important, but this in particular is important. And I know will be for a lot of folks listening. We're going to be talking about depression. You have, uh, again, graciously uh, decided to lend your voice to your own journey in uh what you're calling clinical depression. And we decided that it would be an important conversation to have because so many individuals, we know that depression, the statistics for depression, both clinical and otherwise are, have been 
through the roof, off the charts for years. But particularly with what's going on now, I just pulled this article. There are many of them uh, by the Washington Post that's saying nearly half of Americans report that uh, this pandemic, uh, this crisis is harming their mental health, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation poll, a federal emergency hotline for people in emotional distress uh, has r- risen a thousand percent in April compared to the same time last year. So we know this wow. is a big issue. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Maybe I can put a link to this article. I just grabbed that because uh, I had a feeling that was the case. So we're going to move on over to Patreon and talk about that. But we're not going to just talk about it is what it is, but how you have navigated quite successfully this journey and how it may be connected to your own anomalous experiences. These are two very important issues we're trying to meet out, we're trying to parse. So I hope you'll join us over on Patreon for the after show. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. All right, journeyers, you know where to go. Patreon.com forward slash higher journeys. Speaking of Patreon, I want to give some shout outs. We're going in alphabetical order and I got a, a lot of L's. I'm going to call this the L club. So bear with me, Mike. Let me just say hi to the journeyers over on Patreon. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how I was going to separate these. We've got Lee. I'm just going to spell it L-E-A. We have Lee, L-E-A-H. We have Lee, <laughs> L-E-I-G-H. I assuming they're all pronounced the same, but I just want you to know I'm saying hi to each and every one of you. We have Lila, Linda. We have Lisa. I'm not saying last name, so I'm going to say Lisa begins with an M-A-N. Another Lisa, M-A-R. Liz, Lorena, and Lucy, the L Club. Thank you for being a part of our little club over on Patreon. So there you have it. One last thing, got to say it if you haven't already journeyers, I would love it if you would do us the honor of subscribing to this channel. We, as you know, we're adding more episodes uh, as we go through this season with Conscious Commentary live as well as in the garden. And uh, it really just helps helps us get the word out. You know the drill. Helps to get the word out. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the smash that like button, etc. We are uh, always grateful for your being a part of the journey with us for the long haul. So, got all that out of the way. Mike, any closing thoughts before we leave? You know, here's one thing I want to want to bring to your uh, attention, what we talked about yesterday. When I say crescendo, what does that trigger for you? We'll close with that as to what we're going through right now. Oh, so I mean, the, so crescendo, we, yes, we talked about this. So in, in classical music, or even in like a Beatles song, they did it in Day in the Life, there's a perfect crescendo in that, where the tempo builds and builds and builds and builds. And, you know, there's a symphonic, in essence, a symphonic story being created with all this music. And it builds and builds to a sort of unstable point. Like the music is all of a sudden unstable. It's built so much. And then there's often a cymbal crash. And then there's an entirely new tempo. It's the same orchestration. It's the same piece. But there's things have changed completely. There's a new song that then begins playing. There's a new tempo um and and that's what i so that's what i sense it certainly happened in my life where it felt like you know these things kept building and building and building and building and then like i crumbled and then there was a new storyline that that emerged and crumbled in the sense that the old person that i once was crumbled i mean i you know, like I'm still me and and all, but I certainly had. I mean, a death and rebirth is completely fair. You know, this I'm talking about the UFO context stuff, where I, you know, that I was, 
I was fighting it. I was fighting it. I was fighting. I was denying. I was denying. I was denying. And then it just, I couldn't deny it anymore. And this new, this is still the same orchestration, but there's an entirely new piece that's being performed by the grand, you know, the grand orchestration. And, and I, I sense like when I look at the news, like it feels like I'm in that cacophony of, 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 you know, where, where it's unstable. The music is unstable right now. The music of our, of our, you know, world events is unstable right now. And, and we have, we have in place a, you know, a model, the crescendo, you know, that just, the someone's going to, the symbol's going to smash and something new is going to come out the other end. And I just hope we all, you know, our vibes are groovy enough that, that collectively as humanity, we can, we can make it turn it into something worthwhile. I think that's beautifully said. I think that is such a perfect analogy. We are in a grand symphony together, and the music may sound a bit discordant right now, but invariably there will be that symbol, you know, uh, that 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 crash, <laughs> um, and then a new a new. Oh, that's piece. perfect way to say it. Yes. Yeah, a new piece will be written, and let's hope that it will be a piece where uh, we can party a bit. So. Hang in there, Journeyers. We are all in this together. So on that note, Mike, thank you so much. I'm going to say goodbye to the Journeyers. We'll see you hopefully over on Patreon. Uh, Join us there. And uh, if not, we'll see you uh, in a couple of short days for Conscious Commentary Live. Mike Cleland, as always, a pleasure. Don't hang up. We're going to march on over together. And uh, we will talk to you soon. All right, Journeyers, I love you as always. Take good care.